0: Oh, oh, It is Saturday night, October 21st, 2023. We are getting towards the end of our read through the book of John. Um, We all know what happens to Jesus. And uh, let's just sit back and listen and soak in God's word and just let it work on our hearts and our souls and our spirits And um yeah, let's just see how the Holy Spirit wants to talk to us tonight through his word. That sounded kind of funny. We all know what happens to Jesus. We know the story, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But each time you read God's word and you open your heart when you're not distracted and you're just relaxing and saying, Hey Father, I would really like to receive your word into my spirit, then really cool things happen. So anyways, I will start reading John chapter 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken, Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup that that the Father has given me? And kiddos, just as an aside... In other, uh, I'm not sure if it's Matthew, Mark, or Luke, but Jesus actually heals Malchus's ear. But John doesn't mention that in his account, which is fine. It just means that he didn't say everything that the other gospel did. Okay, verse 12. So the band of soldiers and their captain... And the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Huh, there we go again. Caiaphas actually knew and kind of understood that there would be a substitute, or at least that Jesus could be a... See, I don't know if Caiaphas understood him to be the Messiah that died for all of the people. I don't know. But that was mentioned earlier in this book. Okay, verse 15. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, whom was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple, where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me. Heard me ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Ask those who have heard me what I said to them, they know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once, at once, a rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So, do you want me to release you, the king of the Jews? Release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Okay, that's the end of chapter eighteen, kiddos. Let us go ahead and pick up where we left off in our Chuck Black book. Um, one second here. I'm freezing. I gotta get something on so I don't freeze. One second. All right, uh, I got my jacket on. (laughs) It's just chilly in my room. I don't want to turn the heat up because it'll be too hot when I'm sleeping. Okay, so... Let's see here. We stopped at chapter... Oh, no. Where did we stop? Okay, we stopped at chapter... 13, right? Oh yeah, so Cedric and William really came to the rescue of some of the uh, uh, the good guys, the silent warriors. And they said, go tell everybody you know to be ready. Time is short, very short. Tell your people to be ready. He nodded to his companion. He nodded to his companion toward one side of the alley, and together they left us quickly and silently. Be ready for what? I asked, but there was no one to answer. And did we read this? Did we read thirteen? did we read it you guys help me here oh yes that's right the story about Derek and Cassie and the little kids and Derek heard about the, the prince's love and compassion and it changed his heart and he repented and he reconciled himself to his wife whom he Treated very badly, and his kids too. Okay, so chapter 14 is called The Age of Darkness. During the meal with Derek and his family, we shared the story of the prince with Cassie and the children. They too understood, believed, and were born into a new life of hope. The spilled blood of the prince Caused love and compassion to flourish where there once was a desert. This family was transformed by his story, and I knew they would never be the same. We left their home and traveled on to our destination in northern Chessington. Our mutual joy in sharing compassion with a family had been uplifting, but brief. We passed a variety of shops and homes along the way. On every corner, a message was posted, and the usual bustle of activity on the streets paused as small assemblies gathered to read what had been posted. The dust of the trees settled while all of a red tray held its breath. We joined the crowd at one street corner and read the following. ATTENTION CITIZENS OF ARETHTRE Governor Supreme Alexander Histon is hereby appointed King of Arethre. All people will swear allegiance to King Alexander Histon and acknowledge his authority over all subjects by complying with the following proclamation. Number one. All subjects will bow in the presence Of King Alexander Histon. Number two, all subjects will pay a permit fee to the king in exchange for the privilege of buying and selling goods in the kingdom of Arethre. Upon the purchase of this permit, the king's insignia will be imprinted upon the subject's right hand. Any subject attempting to buy or sell goods without the imprint of the king will be punished. Number three, no subject will acknowledge the existence of any authority other than King Alexander Histon. Violation of this order is punishable by death. Number four, no subject is allowed to carry a sword without explicit approval of the king. All swords will be collected within the next two days number 5 no subject is allowed to travel beyond the limits of the city they reside in without proper authorization from the king number 6 no subject is allowed to travel at night without proper authorization from the king Any subject who fails to comply with all points of this proclamation will be immediately punished. We stood in silence as the severity of the edict settled in our minds. It was the beginning of a new age of darkness. What would happen to the knights of the prince? I wondered. Well, gentlemen, life has just become very, very hard. William said, Yes, it has. I said, But what better time than now to spread the words of the prince? The people will feel the iron hand of Histon and no bondage as they have never known it before. He is trying to strip the people of all hope, but we will give it to them. We will find a way to carry on. The prince expects no less from us. Let us unite in an inseparable bond of brotherhood and fulfill our duty to the code, the prince and the true king of Erethrae. I placed my hands on the shoulders of William and Rob. I was confident that they too knew we must press on. Too much was at stake for us to lose hope and give up. Let us not forget the promise of the prince, He will return, I said, hoping to encourage them as well as myself. William's jaw tightened in determination, and Rob's nodded as if we vowed to persevere, as we vowed to persevere no matter the cost. The grain of our vow was quickly tested. Four of Histon's men were collecting a, fee "'from a shop owner across the street. "'This was a normal practice since Histon had come to power, "'but the new proclamation gave his men renewed arrogance. "'In addition to our fee, "'King Histon requires your daughter to come and serve in his palace,' "'we heard the lead henchman say. "'He was the largest of the four "'and wore a black beard cut close to his chin.' His thick chest and dark eyes made him formidable. His three cohorts did not look as threatening, though sometimes looks are misleading. They sneered and obviously enjoyed the anguish they were about to cause this poor man and his daughter. William, Rob, and I began to walk across the street toward the skirmish. I have paid you faithfully for over a year, the man said i have even sworn allegiance to king histon my wife has died and my daughter is all that is important to me you ask too much i will not hand her over i will not hand over my daughter to king histon or anyone else then we will take her by force step aside i heard a panic scream from within the shop as the owner tried to stop the brutes from entering Leave him alone, I shouted. Rob and William positioned themselves on my right and left, a few yards in front of the shop. The three of us were no longer amateur swordsmen. Over the past few years, we had honed our skills and fought many enemies. If I must fight a battle, I prefer William and Rob at my side. They are veterans and men of honor, men. That I can trust. The four men turned to see what insolent fool dared to challenge them. The leader gazed harshly at us. Who dares challenge my authority and interfere in the king's business? The man threatened more than he asked. No one you need to be concerned with. As long as you leave the man and his daughter alone, William said. You are in violation of the king's proclamation. Hand over your swords immediately or you will be severely punished, the leader said. We will give our swords to you, but you will not enjoy the manner in which they come, Rob said as his hand came to rest on the hilt of his sword. The leader became enraged at our at our defiance and drew his sword from his scabbard. Within seconds six more swords slid from scabbards, filling the air with a brief harmony of sliding steel on steel. The leader spoke in hushed tones to one of his men, and the men withdrew slightly from the impending fight. Three of them charged, and we readied ourselves for the assault. The bearded leader came for me. I was challenged by my foe, as was William by his, but Rob gained the upper hand on his opponent quickly. He maneuvered him off to the left and away from the shop store. The owner disappeared within, presumably to protect his daughter. From the corner of my eye, I saw the fourth man heading east toward Histon's palace. A strong blow came from my left. I blocked it with the flat of my sword and countered with a slice across the middle that grazed my enemy's right shoulder. He cursed but was not seriously injured, and he renewed his fight with vengeance. I saw Rob parry a weak cut and counter with a quick thrust "'that put his opponent down. "'Rob!' I called. "'Get the man and his daughter south to bear it. "'I fear reinforcements are coming, "'so you have to move fast. "'We'll meet up with you there.' "'Rob entered the shop, "'and I turned my full attention to my opponent. "'William gained the upper hand, "'and his foe backed off and ran east. "'The bearded leader withdrew also. "'Down the street from the east,' I saw a beard, I'm sorry, I saw a band of men coming speedily. You will pay for your treason with your lives, the leader screamed. We ran into the shop and locked the door, then exited through a back door into an alleyway. I saw Rob and his new companions at a distance to the south, but they were still vulnerable. William, we must stall Histon's men. We have to buy Rob enough time to get the man and his daughter to safety, I said. The shouts of men were getting closer with each passing moment. We ran through another shop and onto a street parallel to the street on which the fight had begun. We ran north one street, then west. Histon's men followed as we had hoped, but we kept them at a safe distance. Finally, we lost our pursuers and found refuge in a small, unoccupied hut off the main streets. William and I rested, waiting for Histon's men to abandon their search. It was some time before we ventured out again. "'I hope Rob was successful,' William said. "'Many hours have passed, ample time for them to reach safety.' I said, let's take the back way out into the alley and start making our way home. I'm more than ready to go home, my friend, William said. We slowly entered the alley, keeping a careful watch on the street just to the left of us. At last, there was no sign of a search, and we were relieved. The alley felt more secure than the street we were about to enter or so I thought behind us a subdued evil sounding chuckle broke my false hopes of seclusion as we turned the chuckle became a pompous roaring laugh chills traveled up my spine it was Alexander Histon himself. He was mounted on a black stallion which snorted and flared its nostrils. On each side of Histon stood four of the largest warriors I had ever seen. All four were darkly dressed with leather straps crossing their chests. Each stood at a, each stood a full head taller than William or I. Obvious veterans of sword fighting, Each owned a variety of scars. Their muscular frames alone were forbidding. But the mass of swords they carried finished the picture of undaunted destruction these men were clearly capable of. We had faced similar foes before. These were shadow warriors. Their brazen appearance with Histon told me one thing. The dark Night was near. Surely this was the age of darkness the prince had spoken of. I glanced at William and knew that he felt the same fear I was fighting. The four shadow warriors surrounded us. We stepped back toward the rock wall on the side of the alley. I thought I thought that to draw our swords would mean quick and certain death. "'Histon spoke in a thick, condescending tone. "'So this is Sir William and Sir Cedric of Chessington. "'Although I had never seen Histon up close, "'he seemed as large as the Shadow Warriors. "'I was sure this perception was because he was mounted. "'Your little escapades around the kingdom are over,' "'he said as he dismounted the stallion. "'As he approached, He seemed to grow with each stride until I realized that Alexander Histon stood shoulder to shoulder with the Shadow Warriors. Unlike them, however, his face and exposed skin were free from any scars. His hair was jet black and cut short. His facial features were sharp, and his eyes were deep, dark, and penetrating. It was clear. He was the only author of commands when present. I am king of Arehtray. I will show mercy and allow you one chance to swear allegiance to me, Histon said. In all my adventures as a knight of the prince, this was the most terrifying. My true fight was within me. Fear. With death staring me in the face, would my faith in the prince give me the courage I needed to stand firm? One of the Shadow Warriors drew his sword, anxious to taste first blood. Two of them moved closer to us. Swear your allegiance and bow before me or die! The words shot like poison darts. I slowly began to realize just how truly evil. Histon was. William spoke first. Our allegiance is to the prince and his father, the true king of Erethrae. Though they were monstrous men, all four of them winced when William spoke of the prince. Even his name was powerful. The shadow warrior closest to William struck him on the brow with the hilt of his sword. William fell to his knees and covered his head with his hands. Blood spilled between his fingers and onto the lord, uh, onto the ground. Before I could kneel and help him, Histon stepped forward and gripped my neck with his left hand. It was then that I remembered the prince's silent warriors. The king reigns, and his son. I voiced what I could through Histon's tightening grip. Histon and the four shadow warriors bellowed in wicked laughter. The silent warriors will not save you, knave. I own this kingdom now. The former king and his weak son are finished here. As Histon spoke, His heinous smile turned to a sneer of disgust. I have finished them in a wreath tray, and I will return one day to his own kingdom and kill them both. My fear, though I know not why, instantly left me. I knew I could stand and die with honor, though Histon tried to demean the king and the prince, His voice betrayed him, and I knew that Histon feared the prince more than any fear I would ever feel for Histon. You are not the true king of Areftrei, I said. You have betrayed the people and lied to them. You care only for power and control. You are not who the people think you are. I see what a truly evil leader you are. Histon glared at me with eyes that spewed hatred like poison from a viper. His hand tightened round my neck, nearly closing off my hair. I felt the rocks in the wall behind me press into my head and back. He leaned into my face His handsome features were twisted into a gut-wrenching evil countenance. My vision started to blur, and my mind was beginning to fade. In my waning, I saw a vision of the prince standing on the roof of the building across the alleyway. Death must not be far away, I thought. You are right about one thing, peasant, Histon said in a deep, guttural voice that was nearly a whisper. I am not who the people think I am. I knew he wanted to kill me. Hate seemed to completely possess him. I, his grip tightened, am. Tighter, I could not breathe now. Lucius! His right hand revealed a dagger that would soon spill my blood. He pulled back to strike. From the, sh- from the corner of my eye, I saw one of the Shadow Warriors raise his sword to slay William, who was still face down on the ground. This is the end, I thought. I want to die at the hands of Lucius. Oh, I was to die at the hands of Lucius, the evil enemy of the prince. In my final moments, The vision of the prince seemed so real. His sword was drawn, and he beckoned me to—to—to fight? The dagger started its deadly plunge toward my chest. Time nearly froze. I could not fail the prince and die such a feeble death. He had trained me for this very fight, a fight against the evil one. The dagger flashed closer. Maybe I would die, but only after exhausting every fiber of strength and will in my body. Yes, my prince, I will fight. Fight for you. The dagger was nearing its target. My heart. With all my strength and speed, I swept my left forearm across my chest to deflect the dagger, now only inches from my chest, and simultaneously turned my body. It was just enough. The dagger skinned my left shoulder and struck the rocks behind me. My body was turned slightly to the left, and my right hand found the hilt of my sword in an instant. I heard Lucius curse and recoil for another strike, but I beat him to it. My left hand joined my right at my sword as I partially withdrew it from the scabbard with great force. My fisted hands and the hilt of my sword struck Lucius's stomach. His suffocating grip on my neck was immediately broken as he doubled over from the the blow. Move, William, I shouted as I saw the blade of the shadow warrior descend on him. William rolled with the speed of a panther. The sword missed him and hit the ground with tremendous force. A shower of sparks flew in all directions. There was a moment of chaos that allowed me to spring toward William. My sword was now fully drawn, and I lunged at the shadow warrior who was making another strike as William tried to scramble to his feet. My sword found its mark, and the shadow warrior collapsed in an instant. Lucius tried to give orders, but the air had left his lungs. He could only gesture toward us. William was now on his feet with his sword drawn. We were side by side and ready to fight, though I knew this fight would be our last. The three remaining shadow warriors advanced quickly, then hesitated, looking past us at something approaching from behind. I did not Dare turn around and see what it was. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Came Rob's familiar voice from my right. It looks like you're in need of some assistance. Rob joined to my right and Barrett to Williams' left. We will fight for the prince and for our brothers, Barrett said. Our brief moment of relief quickly transformed into the seriousness of battle. With our brothers in arms. "'Rob and Barrett joined us, "'either to save us or to die with us. "'There was no worse enemy than this, "'and we all knew it. "'Kill them!' Lucius shouted. "'We took our stance and prepared for the onslaught, "'but they still held back. "'They were trained by the prince,' "'one of the shadow warriors said over his shoulder.' He did not take his eyes off of us. Lucius moved forward with his sword drawn. Attack or I will kill you myself. He yelled to his men as they lunged toward me. The shadow warriors followed, each one to one of us. The battle began. The rage on Lucius' face matched the fury of his sword. It was a duel to the death, and I know I must rely on the prince's training. Lucius was quick and cunning. Our swords met in a ferocious volley of thrusts, cuts, and slices. The prince had prepared me for this battle. I saw him in every motion of my sword. My muscles had memorized the moves, and my sword seemed to know exactly what to do. I felt the prince in my arms and hands. I gave control to him. My sword flew to match each cut and thrust of this beast. The sword of the prince would protect me, deliver me. My confidence during the battle was surreal. All fear was gone. I had been trained by the master himself the master of the sword. The close quarters of the alleyway forced the four separate sword fights to spread out. The clashing swords echoed off the walls, which added to the intensity of the battle. I saw Rob take a cut across his shoulder, but it was not too deep. He, William, and Barrett Fought like the valiant warriors they were trained to be. The shadow warriors were huge. But we were fast and knew their tricks. The battle raged on. Lucius thrust. I parried and countered, but he caught my cut with a flat of his sword. He quickly countered with a cut across my chest. Whoosh! I leapt back to miss his blade and lost my balance. I fell to my knees. Lucius pounced toward me with a vertical cut that I, had, that I caught with my sword just above my head. I threw my left bag in a circular motion to trip him, and his legs flew out from under him. I seized the opportunity to scramble to my feet. Lucius recovered quickly, and we engaged our swords again. I saw William counter a cut with a quick thrust that found its mark. The shadow warrior dropped his sword and clutched his chest as he fell to the ground. William was closest to Barrett and joined him against his foe. The fight quickly turned in our favor, and I saw the exact exasperation on Lucius's face grow more vivid with each passing moment. He backed off quickly as Barret's opponent fell from a fatal wound. The last shadow warrior turned and ran up the alley. Lucius quickly mounted his stallion and galloped away. I will be back to kill all of you, he screamed "'Praise to the king and his son, the prince,' was shouted in return. "'The battle was over. The knights of the prince had prevailed. "'We breathed a temporary sigh of relief. "'Thank you, gentlemen,' I said to Robin Barrett. "'You came not a moment too soon.' I was worried when you didn't show up at the Barretts, so we decided to come for you, Rob said as Barrett bandaged his arm and I'm glad you did, William said. He looked a mess because of the because of the blood from his initial head wound. The bleeding had nearly stopped, and I washed the cut with clean water. I don't know about you, gentlemen, but I'm ready to go home, I said. The rush of the fight was leaving my body. I was tired, bone tired. On our journey back south, we moved carefully, avoiding all possible contact with people. I thought about the shadow that now hung over a a rift Lucius's power was going to grow with each passing day. These were becoming dark days indeed. My prince, when will you return? I thought. I yearned. Okay, kiddos, that's the end of chapter fourteen. Obviously, we're getting to the end. Of this book. Okay. I love you kiddos. Remember I'm praying for you. And. uh, I can't wait to see you guys. I'll catch you next time. Love you. Night night.